So good afternoon, everyone. My name is Malibongo Masinga, and I am from South Africa. <laughs> yeah, and I am one of your board members, along with the powerhouses that are Ine and Claire. You know, whatever stuff. Just another day. <laughs> um, and together with Pastors Mina and Caleb, we uh, help to make decisions for our church. Very prayerfully. There's been so much prayer this year. Uh, we prayerfully make decisions for our church. And um, this weekend, Pastor Caleb and Mina are at, uh, they went to a couple's retreat, and they taught and just enjoyed the couple's retreat. And this Sunday, Pastor Caleb will be preaching in Seoul. So please show him some love and listen to the recording and pray for him. So he'll be preaching probably in the next hour or so in Seoul. Um, I am preaching today because I won a round of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> that is how everything on earth should be decided. I mean, don't you think? Like no world wars, nothing. Just rock, paper, scissors it out. Um, so I am preaching, and I cannot promise you that today's message will be as funny or as knowledgeable. I don't have prison anecdotes. Um, but I do believe that God has something for us today. And so I just I pray that you would just open your heart and receive this word. Uh, so far, Pastor Caleb has been preaching from the parables of Jesus. Uh, last week, he spoke about the ten miners and how the miners represent the kingdom of God and how we steward the kingdom of God. So will, will it grow and multiply in our lives, or will we keep it to ourselves? Right. So that's what he was preaching about. And um, I personally have been enjoying the series so far. Yeah, I see a few nods. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been good because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes with the old the New Testament and the Gospels, it's a bit of a struggle. I'm like, what is Jesus saying? Like, what are you actually saying? Um, and so it's really it's been good to have him unpack the words of Jesus and unpack the stories that Jesus was using to speak to people's hearts. Um, and uh, yeah, and so in Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says that uh, the Bible, or the word of God, is like a double-edged sword and it penetrates even to bone and marrow. It divides soul and spirit and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. So, you know what I've found is the more we read the Word of God, it's less of us reading the Word, and it's more of the Word reading us. It reflects to us what's happening in our hearts, and it, it changes us. Uh, so today, I'm taking a bit of a departure from the parables, uh, because when the parents are away... Um, <laughs> um, no, but mostly just because I, I felt... I, I feel like God has been speaking to me about a certain topic for a while. And the more I was having conversations with people, the more I realized, oh, people might be having the same kind of question. And so my topic today, let's take this word, is where, dun, 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 where are we going? <laughs> where are we going? Um, 
So I have been asking the Lord this question for a while, you know, with our church. For a long time, it felt like there was a lot of security and a lot of certainty. We would start the year off with a vision and we would follow through with the vision. And there was a lot of certainty and grounding to that. But this year, I felt a little bit like, what are you doing, God? Where are we going? As a church, where are we going? As an individual, where am I going? What are you doing? And, you know, that went from like a humble request before the Lord. Lord, where are we going? Could you show me where we are going to? Where are we going? 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 Are we going? So, um, so I don't know if any of you guys have been there, but I hope I'm not preaching to myself. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I've been asking the Lord. And, uh, and, and I think a big question has been, how do I follow Jesus when I don't know where we are going? And um, what I really love about the Bible is it's a, it's a story of a good God, right? So the main, the main theme of the Bible is it's a story of God who comes down to rescue his people through his son, Jesus. That is the main theme. But what's really awesome is there's a lot of, like, sub-themes that are happening. And while it's a story of God, it's also the story of people. It's a story of us. And what we see is the people in the Bible struggle a lot with uncertainty. So you can throw out any character at me, and I will tell you how they struggled with uncertainty. Um, do it silently. I'm not, I'm not ready, ready. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you were to say Moses, Moses struggled with, God, where are we going? David, where are we going? Ruth. Where are we going? Anyone you can think of. And even at points, we see Jesus struggling with an uncertainty of, if this cup would pass from me, that would be cool, but your will be done. You know, We see Jesus struggle with uncertainty at times, too. In fact, I was reading an article that said that the only times where we see people not struggle with uncertainty in the Bible is usually the villains of the Bible. It's usually, for example, the snake in the garden, right? He's the one who says, if you want absolute knowledge, absolute knowledge of good and evil, then you will eat this fruit. So it is, it is a given that we will struggle with uncertainty at times. Today we read out of Luke 9, and I feel I was very kind to Ine, and we only read 10 verses. There are 62 verses. I'm going to read them now. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you could read it at home, that would be really great. It's a, it's a wonderful, there's so many stories happening in those 62 verses. So I hope you'll take the time out to read it at home. But very briefly, I will give you some context. Uh, so the Luke 9 begins with Jesus speaking to his disciples and saying to them that they are going to go and preach the gospel, but they will be rejected in some places, and they need to be ready for that. And then we see Jesus feed 5,000 people from five loaves and two fish, which you might know the story. And then we move on to a place where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they respond that he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And then they go up onto the mountain, and Jesus is revealed, right? He's transfigured. And 
in the transfiguration, we hear God the Father, the voice of God the Father saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Okay, and then we skip all the way to verse 51, where Ine, so she read so wonderfully, right? She had all the voices and everything. So cool. Um, so we, we skip to verse 51, and Jesus is entering the village of Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. And he's, um, okay, and where I'll be speaking from today is verse 57, um, where Jesus is, on, is in the next village, and he encounters three men. And he gives us an example from these three men of how to follow him, okay? So the people in this story had seen Jesus teach, heal, feed multitudes, but they were still fearful of what it meant to follow Jesus. What would it mean for their safety, for their comfort? What about their families? Where were they going to next? And so let's start with verse 57. Uh, this is guy one. <laughs> okay, this is guy one, and you'll see in a moment why that's his avatar, right? Guy one in Luke 57, uh, Luke 9, sorry, verses 57 to 58. It says, uh, now as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So the first guy we see, he volunteers, guy one, he volunteers to follow Jesus freely. So no one says anything to him. He just, out of nowhere, volunteers to follow Jesus freely. Okay? Um, and so in the context of this time, the people had heard Jesus speak of a kingdom. And so they assumed that with Jesus being on his way to Jerusalem, he was about to overthrow the government and claim his place as a king, as a king that they recognized. Okay, so they thought, if I follow Jesus, then I'm guaranteed a place in the palace. Who knows what my position will be? Of course, I'll follow this guy, and let's see what happens in Jerusalem. So that's, why, that's what this man was thinking by volunteering to follow Jesus. So if you remember a few moments ago, I spoke about Hebrews 4 verse 12 that says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Uh, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so in John 1, it speaks of how Jesus was the word of God made flesh. So you need to think about that as Jesus. Jesus is the one who comes in and he divides bone and marrow, soul and spirit. So he takes what people are saying and he speaks to what they're saying. Saying, saying. You know, we all have those moments where you're like, what are you saying, saying? And so that's what this guy was saying. So Jesus comes in and gives him a reality check. And he slices through his motives and reveals his heart. And he says, thank you for wanting to follow me, but are you aware that I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight? Is this the kind of king you want to follow? Are you still sure? And we don't know how this exchange ends, okay? But we never hear of this guy again. 
So I'm going to assume that he decides against following Jesus because actually the road ahead is just too uncertain. He's not sure what lies ahead. And where he is currently might be a little more secure, a little more certain, a little more safer than where Jesus is leading him to. Okay, so that's guy one. Then there's guy two. <laughs> and guy two, um, this is the scripture reference in Luke 9, verses 59 to 60. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, uh, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Okay, so guy number two, I couldn't understand why Jesus would be so harsh, right? This guy is saying his dad died. And, um, and after all, Jewish culture was very big on honoring your parents, okay? So if we look at, this is Exodus 20, verse 12. It says, honor your mother and father that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Okay, so it's different translation. Or Leviticus 19.3 has a similar theme. Deuteronomy 5.16, similar wording about honoring your parents. And so, um, and so, of course, Jesus would have wanted this man to honor his parents, right? Honor his father. But the more I read up on what is actually happening in the story, it became a little surprising to me. So it turns out that this man's father had not yet died. Okay? So this man's father might have been elderly, maybe, or he might have been sick, but he had not yet died. Okay? Because if he had died, the man would have said, I'm going to dig a grave for my father. Or he would not have been in the city center <laughs> with throngs of people trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus. He would have been at home mourning with his family, okay? So this man's father had not yet died. And once again, Hebrews 4 verse 12, what does Jesus say that penetrates his soul and his spirit and divide and judges what's happening in his heart? Um, in Jewish culture, if a man died, his sons stood to inherit everything he had. Okay? So... What this man was actually saying is that I would rather be at home waiting for the day my dad dies so that I can have my inheritance. If I follow you, I don't know where you're going. It's a little uncertain. You don't even know where you're sleeping tonight. But when my dad dies, I have a secure future ahead of me. So this man was not willing to follow Jesus. Okay, and then we have guy three. Okay, and guy three, verse 61 to 62. Yet another said, I will follow you. I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Okay? So this is very interesting because the man, once again, like guy one, 
see his, his big cheesy smile. Like Guy Wan, he's very enthusiastic. He volunteers to follow Jesus, okay? But what's interesting in what he says is this. He uses the word but. Okay, English teachers, what is, what is but in grammar? <laughs> okay, but is, a <laughs> but is a conditional conjunction. It's a conditional conjunction, yes. Keep that in mind, okay? Uh, it's a conditional conjunction. And the word but is like the word if or providing. It means that I can only do whatever I've said if my condition is met, okay? So, for example, if you say to me, Molly, let's go to the movies after church, and I'm like, sure, I'd love to, but we're not going to the movies, okay? That's a fact, because of the word but. Because unless my condition is met, whatever I've promised you is canceled, okay? So if, for example, a lot of us here are single, you meet someone someday and they say to you, you know, babe, <laughs> babe, I love you. You are the world to me. I want to marry you. But <laughs> everything they've just said is canceled, okay? Because of that condition that they are giving. And so this man is doing the same to Jesus. He gives a condition. He says, I will follow you, but my condition has to be met. And so I kind of wondered, why would Jesus be so harsh? Was, was Jesus a fan of ghosting? Was he like, just ghost your family and follow me? <laughs> but I, in, in, in reading more about it, I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. And if you think of what I said about Hebrews 4 verse 12, what Jesus would do is continually show the people what was happening in their hearts. So what he was saying to this man was this. He said, one cannot plow while looking backwards. And I was like, what is a plow? So this is a picture of a plow. <laughs> okay, so this is a picture of a plow. And the plow, the farmer would put his hand on the plow while guiding the oxen so that they would make straight rows for farming. Right? So when, if the rows were straight and they were shallow, uh, yeah, shallow enough, then seeds could be planted and a crop would grow. And uh, a biblical scholar said that in order to do this, the farmer would have to find an object in the distance and he would have to mark according to that and then guide the put his hand on the plow and make sure that the oxen were headed towards that tree. I see Claire is nodding. Do you know anything about this? I know Texas is like farming. Oh, so you know this? Sort of? Cool. It's real, guys. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that's what happened. This is what a plow is. Okay? So um, that's how a farmer would keep the road straight by going forward. If the farmer looked to the side or the farmer looked backwards, that would throw the whole thing off and the lines would not be straight. And I don't know much about farming, but I know it's a very scientific process in the sense that the seeds have to be planted at a 
certain distance from each other and the lines have to go in a certain way. Otherwise, the crops don't grow as they should. Uh, are you a farmer too? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like, uh, do you farm? <laughs> okay. Um, and so, yeah, that's why when you were farming, if your hand was on the plow, it was very important that you were going forward. So Jesus was, this man was using his family as an excuse. And what he was saying was that he wasn't ready to let go of the past. He wasn't ready to let go of whatever security, whatever certainty, whatever comfort was at home with his friends and his family to follow, uh, to follow Jesus whose road was not very certain in front of him. So the man opted to stay behind with his family. Um, so recently I had to take a driver's test that I was very, very, very unprepared for, okay? So, but I do remember some of the questions. And one of the questions was, uh, so the Korean driving license is very, they give you like a whole picture of a scenario and then you have to answer questions. And the one question was, it's raining. You are on a single lane road. And of course, because it's raining, you have to lower your speed. Um, but the driver behind you, uh, he wants to go faster than you are currently going. So what should you do? A, okay, should you put your foot on the brakes and make a point? Like, stop, dude, just stop it. Or B, <laughs> should you keep looking at the driver behind you in the rearview mirror and intimidating them and using hand signs? And, um, and then there was another option. I don't remember because obviously A is um, <laughs> no, no, none of those are the answer. And Jesus is saying to this man that whether you're driving or you're farming or you are working towards the kingdom, you cannot be looking backwards. You cannot be looking backwards. The kingdom is advancing. It is going forward, and you cannot keep your eyes on the past. And the story is titled, The Cost of Following. As someone who was asking, where are we going? I found myself in good company amongst these guys, right? Because I value my comfort and I value certainty. I value knowing what we're doing. I like a roadmap. Please show me a plan so I can work towards it, okay? And um, like all these men who had a lot of uncertainty, Jesus was saying that we cannot afford to be seduced by the certainty of things when we are following him. Um, in sales and marketing, the most important thing is that you close a sale. So I was just thinking about this. But anyway, in sales and marketing, it's very important that you close a sale. So that's why when you go into a shop and they harass you and they're very nice about, uh, welcome in, come in, hello, look around, and they follow you. Because the aim is that they close the sale, right? Um, and there's a term called now or never close of sale. So now or never close of sale. If you grew up in the 90s, you watched infomercials, you know about now or never close of sale, okay? This is where the salesperson will list to you all the benefits of a product or service, okay? So it is twice as fast as the 
test model, it uses less energy, uh, it is safe for the environment. So they'll list all the benefits. And then they will close with saying, if you, you buy now, or rather call now, and we will give you XYZ. Call now and you will get a discount. Call now and you will get two for the price of one. It is very important that to close a sale, they give a now or never. Now I couldn't understand why Jesus was, Jesus is sort of doing a now or never in the sense that he's saying, follow me now. Like you don't have time to go home and look after your sick, sick dad. You don't have time to go and say goodbye to your family. Follow me now. And yet he doesn't list the benefits of following him. He doesn't say, follow me and get joy. Follow me and have peace. Follow me. He doesn't say that. And I couldn't understand why. Um, and the reason is that Jesus wasn't saying that these are all the benefits. He was saying, if you follow me, I am the prize. I am the main benefit. If you follow me, you get me. And that is all you need. In John 14, verses 4 to 6, we see the disciples go through another dilemma. And they say to him, and, and sorry, it's Jesus who's talking to them. He says, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, uh, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was telling his disciples that it actually didn't matter where they were going, but it mattered who they were going with. So when reading in the story in Luke 9, we took it apart, one thing is abundantly clear. Jesus is doing this thing where he says to the people, I hear what you're saying, and I hear what you're saying, saying, and I'm going to speak to them. And he is saying to us that what we value is certainty, but he wants us to want him more than we want the certainty. I read a story about a man named John Kavanaugh. I don't have a picture, sorry. Um, but he was an ethics professor in the USA. I'm not sure which school. And, um, and way before he became a professor, in his final year of university, he decided to take a three-month sabbatical and go to India. And he went to a town called Calcutta, India. Does it ring any bells? Calcutta? Why? Just heard of it? Mother Teresa. Yeah, yeah. If you're old enough, <laughs> you know about Mother Teresa and how she lived in Calcutta and had the House of the Dying. Um, so in the House of the Dying, she would take care of terminally ill people and she would help them to un well, unpack the gospel and she won a Nobel Peace Prize for that. So John Kavanaugh decided to go there for three months. And uh, as he was going there, his prayer, his heartfelt search was for direction. He was really praying that God would show him the way for the future. Um, he was desperate that by the end of the three months, he would know what to do with his life, essentially. And after month one, he got nothing. So he's waiting on a word vision or a dream, someone say something, please. Month one, nothing happens. Month two, nothing happens. Month two and a half, he goes to Mother Teresa. 
And he says, could you please pray with me? And she says, oh, of course. What do you want to pray for? I'm assuming. Oh, I, yeah, that's how she sounds. And she says, what do you want to pray for? And he responds by explaining that he's come thousands of miles from the U.S. to find direction, to know where he is meant to be going. And he says, pray that I have clarity for what's next. She says to him, no, I will not do that. <laughs> and he asks her, why? Why would you say that? And she says to him, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and you must let go of. What you need is trust. So I will, pray, I will pray that you trust God. You see, I think what God is saying to me or has been saying to us is that, of course it matters where we are going because what matters to us matters to God. But that is a small matter compared to who we are going with. And I think the question for me is, are you more committed to following a plan or are you committed to following the Son of Man? Right. So are you committed to following a plan or are you committed to following the Son of Man? Okay, if you remember nothing today, remember that. Are you committed to the plan or following the Son of Man? You see, there are seasons. <laughs> uh, uh, there are seasons where God will give us clear direction on a way in which we then there are the seasons where God is teaching us a different lesson. In Proverbs 25, 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. It is the glory of God to cover up a matter. It is the glory of man to search those things out. I think God sometimes conceals things, not because he is unkind, but because he is so kind that he wants us to be communion with him before he will reveal the plan. Um, and every week, little Logan, who's not here today, little Logan, with his little vegan body, marches into the church <laughs> and he points at the door of the baby room. And so every, every Sunday, um, he marches into the church, he stands there, he lets go of his parents' hands, and he points in the direction of the baby room. And because I sit in between the door of the church and the door of the baby room, I'll sometimes wave to him and be like, hey, Logan, hey, baby Logan. And he'll whisper something. So he goes, chap, 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 and points at the baby room. And because he's going, chap, 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 I have to lean in closer. So I have to get up from my desk, and I have to lean down and say, what? <laughs> Even though I still don't understand. But I think Jesus does the same to us. In times of uncertainty where we feel like, where are we going? He is merely drawing us closer, right? He, is, he wants us to lean in. When he seems quiet, his aim is to draw us close. In Psalm 25, verse 14, it says this, Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. And with them he shares the secrets of his covenant. So I truly believe that it is God's will 
it is God's desire to continually reveal what he's doing. But he needs us to be close in order to do that. All right, and so 